Welcome to Unlocking Conflict. We've been away for a while. We've been busy mediating. It's been one of the busiest times for us as conflict has escalated during the pandemic. And we've been hearing great feedback from our listeners. Thank you to those who've been passing it on. We heard about people using these principles and tips with neighbours, with family members and work situations. Just this week, we had a listener emailing to say that she was using it to prepare for a conversation with her mum. And that made us think about one of the most challenging conversations happening across the country right now, Christmas. The rules say you can mix three households, but as someone said to us this week, the government couldn't have created more stress in my life if they tried. So this episode, we're looking at how we can approach Christmas this year well, these conversations. We'd love to hear what you think, how it goes with your families this year, and please do share with everyone who's finding making Christmas arrangements challenging this year. I'm here with Sharon, Stephen and Fiona, and I wondered, because families are quite complex things, before we dive into tips and advice, I wondered whether we could just ask first, what's likely to be going on in these conversations? What are the underlying dynamics that we need to be aware of when approaching a conversation about who to spend Christmas with? Well, one of the reflections that I had was that very often families have got into patterns of alternating, maybe going to see one side of the family one year and then seeing the other side of the family the other year. And I was wondering whether in the current climate, whether in some families they may decide that the circumstances trump the pattern that they'd established and they're going to use this opportunity to come up with reasons why it needs to be their family or not this year. Or there could be situations where people have mixed feelings. Actually, they really want to be with members of their family, maybe older members of their family or vulnerable members of their family, but they're worried about putting them at risk and they might actually change their minds. So we had a scenario... (laughs) in my extended family where we had a a kind of plan then the guidelines came out and we we had a circular conversation about okay what does that mean for the various bubbles and combinations of bubbles so I think complexity on top of what's normally maybe a very straightforward decision about where to spend time and then dilemmas and people changing their minds might actually make things quite challenging this time around. And almost you said there as well what might be quite a straightforward discussion normally I'm also imagining that for some families even the normal conversation is quite fraught and I wondered Fiona whether you have any comments about how Christmas generally could be a challenging conversational time for families. Well I was um, reading an article in the newspaper the other day quoting several millennials who said that they were actually hoping that the guidelines would mean that they actually didn't have to go to Christmas with anybody. (laughs) And this was a huge relief to them. And, you know, a couple of quotes, somebody said that they were suffocated by the pretense. And somebody else said it was jarring to spend time in a bad atmosphere and pretend everything's okay. So, you know, these are just a couple of scenarios, which I think are probably quite common. Sarah, you were saying earlier that we've all experienced in our own work, there seems to be an increase in the need for facilitation, for mediation. I work as a mediator and I've never been busier. So it looks as if COVID has increased or exacerbated something which is standard and that in some way has brought to the surface conflicts that may have been dormant 
or has somehow caused people to say, we need to sort it. And therefore, we need, as we move into Christmas, to recognise, on the one hand, the risk that stuff that we might just about be able to keep locked down will erupt. And the flip side, the potential, if we prepare for it, as that listener, uh, Sarah, you were quoting, said, to go into Christmas with a plan potentially to engage on issues with people, with conversations, with things that have been buried maybe for a long time, there is an opportunity as well as the prospect of challenge. Yeah, I'd, I'd add to that. So one of the other things I was thinking is that for lots of people, we've realised how important some relationships are to us. By being absent, we've realised how we really want to reconnect with some people we're missing. And I think there may be some fears around the extra significance if we do get a chance to spend time together at Christmas, uh, people being afraid of actually ruining that time because, because we've only got this little concentrated window where we're going to be together and I have to be even more careful than I would normally be uh, because I don't want to damage that, that precious time that we have together. But as optimists, as Stephen always says, we're bearers of hope as mediators, that actually the flip side of that is there's an opportunity to go, how can we, how can we make this precious time go well and, and giving thought to it beforehand is, is one good way of doing that. Yeah, those are really interesting thoughts. It's so complex, isn't it? That almost heightened realisation that relationships really matter, but that they are not straightforward. And the fact that you have to choose who you spend your time with and navigate how to choose how to make that decision is particularly complex. You might have people who are ending up in bubbles that they don't want to be in or getting hurt when members of the family choose other households over them. It's yeah, I mean, it's probably as many situations as there are people in the UK. So what do we do about it? It's the focusing specifically on the decision of where to spend Christmas. What advice would you have on how what is often quite a complex collection of different households might make that decision well? If I were thinking about planning in advance and trying to think about where to spend time, talking about it is the first step rather than hiding behind waiting for the next round of guidance to come out let's see what happens on the 16th of December or whatever else so avoiding it is not an option I think being prepared to have a conversation ideally a conversation rather than an email exchange or a text exchange would be my first tip and actually just naming it some of the really good things about this pandemic is that actually we're able to name how weird this year is as a preamble to a difficult conversation so so naming it as a potentially awkward conversation and we're in this weird circumstance is gives you permission to then maybe be a bit braver than you might have been otherwise and I think it's always a good idea as we talk about in nonviolent communication getting in touch with our own feelings and needs first because when we're in tune with those we may be able to then connect with someone else around what their feelings and needs are. So, for instance, is it more important to me to know that I haven't put another member of the family at risk, for example, or is it more important to me to know that I've had some time to connect and just spend good quality time with that person? They might be old, they might be vulnerable. Is it more important for me to have certainty that we've got a plan 
or is it more important to make sure that I'm able to have time to have conversations with the people I really want to talk to? So just sitting actually with what's really important to me, what would an amazing Christmas be like for me? What are my needs is a good place to start. And then to think about, okay, when I have the conversation with the other person, how, how, how could I find out what's really important to them by asking them and listening? Very often, wherever we go, you know, we're all human beings and we're all going to have similar sort of tensions, even if they're slightly different ones in one family to another. Um, you know, we're being thrown, really, aren't we, into multi-generational often, multi-opinion, multi-historical frictions and tensions, opinions and values and lifestyles. And, you know, that's thrown into that as well with an expectation that we've all got to be enormously happy. It's just quite a lot for anyone to cope with. And I think that we beat ourselves up or we beat somebody else up um, in our minds if that doesn't happen. So it's, it's, a, it's a really tough decision. And I think that we can look at Christmas with a sort of amorphous anxiety. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it, it, it almost looms at us. And I think one of the things that I would be tempted to do is try and take apart some of the elements that historically have, I can identify as being triggers mm-hmm. for the tension, triggers for explosions, whether they're something around the cooking Uh, It's usually around some very basic things. And if you can take apart some of those elements and work out what it is that's happening, what might help that situation in advance and preempt some of the explosions that might happen. I mean, it struck me, having bought myself enough time to think about how to answer Sarah's question, that if we have a choice as to who we're going to spend Christmas with, and there'll be some blocks of people or groups of people, one of whom you will know, or maybe two of whom, you will be aware there's a problem there because stuff has happened in the past in family which hasn't got sorted. You can look at another possible group of people you could spend time with where it's easier. So the natural temptation will probably, at least for me, would be to go for the latter, to go for the easier people where there hasn't been historic problems and where life may be a little bit more relaxed, not quite so difficult. But I think there may be, particularly if everything I'm hearing us all say is that it's about forethought and planning, there may be an opportunity possibly to choose the first category, the situation where there is someone there with whom we have had a run-in of some description in the past, and consciously to prepare, possibly, to be with that person in a different way this Christmas. But that will will require a degree of planning and commitment, possibly, again, as your listener said, to a possibly difficult conversation. But that turns this Christmas into something slightly different. So it's not just relaxing, simply relaxing. It's going in with a plan, possibly to change a relationship and to use some of these principles. To, to see if a conversation couldn't take place. What strikes me as you're talking is that, that it's almost like the narrative we have of Christmas, as you've been saying, Fiona, is a rosy, rosy, happy, happy, and uh, what we would see on a Waitrose advert or Sainsbury's or indeed any of the major supermarkets. Or, <laughs> or Aldi. And that doesn't really work for a lot of people because that's not the experienced reality. And so it's almost taking that bit of time to think, 
what story do I want to tell this Christmas? When I look back, what will I want? What do I want it to have been about? Was it about keeping my family safe? Was it about connecting with them when I hadn't seen them for ages? Was it about reaching out to someone who I've realized I want to strengthen a relationship with rather than taking our cues from TV adverts? Yeah. <laughs> or Christmas movies. <laughs> Just practically then as well, because I think that that principle is really powerful. I wonder if there's just any simple things that you might want to flag that we should definitely avoid and that are likely to cause perhaps stress where we could avoid it. I, I would probably avoid that moment when the tensions rises and the pressure cooker lid comes off when you're tempted to bear it all. And, and you can say things, you know, for 15 years, I've hated being here. <laughs> you know, all of this stuff can suddenly pop out and explode. And I would avoid getting to the place where that pressure cooker gets so explosive. So try and find out what's triggering you beforehand and maybe the timing of the conversation that you need to have uh, and the nature of the conversation you need to have. Yes, try and not be too reactive in the sense that uh, you find yourself in a position and then it all happens. And again, all we've been saying throughout these podcasts, or a huge amount of what we've been saying, not just, but a huge amount, is about preparing. Mm. Uh, prepare, 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 prepare. And it can sound a little bit sort of artificial and false. Why do we need to prepare for people? Why do we need to prepare for conversations? We should just respond. Yes. But in this sort of area, preparation is so significant because it can change subtly the whole dynamic. So Fiona's point about being in a position where the lid comes off because we've just hung around too long without thinking. And I think that we can lurch in Christmas between um, a cover-up and um, uh, honesty that we may not recover from. And I think that's a real danger. I also, um, you know, in terms of preparation, look at what's happened historically and what are the trigger points for me. And one of them is hosting. Mm -hmm. So whoever's host potentially calls the shots, calls the tune, decides what you eat, when you'll play games, what you will do. And there's a lot of, there can be a lot of resentment in that. And I we go and spend some wonderful Christmases with my sister. She happens to be always host because we, she has a bigger house for us all. And I think it was after a few years that we both had a conversation about what that looked like. And I said, you know, we don't get to choose the kind of Christmas we have. And because our kids may want to sleep in till one o'clock because they're hung over and yours get up at 7am and help with all the laying of the tables. No, our kids are never <laughs> hung over. Never, never, <laughs> you know, never, never, never. There's quite That's a big tension. There's quite a lot of judgment, criticism, blame and shame there. And um, it kind of took us a while to mm. acknowledge that this was a problem. And then we could have a conversation and we could find agreement between all of us, including the kids, you know, what they wanted, what we wanted, what was the kind of halfway house. So somebody wasn't dictating how we should be every year. Yeah. I think one of the things that I would suggest avoiding is taking responsibility for sorting out other people's relationship issues. So for example, a middle-aged parent could find themselves stuck between two generations. So worrying about an elderly parent or a member of the family whose health they're protecting 
and also wanting younger members of the family, teenagers and maybe students back from university or, you know, kids in their 20s who've come back with a boyfriend or girlfriend who have different expectations about Christmas. That parent can be stuck in the middle between the two, trying to have everyone have a happy Christmas and feel like it's their job to make sure that everyone has a happy Christmas and that if things are bubbling up, it's their job to intervene. So I think my top tip would be we can only take responsibility and do our planning and our thought and our reflection about our own conversations and our own interactions with, with each set of people rather than worrying about being responsible for creating a happy Christmas for everyone. And I guess that would, I imagine, be completely true as well for someone who has parents who are living apart from each other with different households with a similar desire to fix the problem when actually that probably reaches beyond the limits of your responsibility. Just reflecting as well on what you're saying, one thing that we've been discussing as a family is in terms of who sets the rules, we took the decision that the person who is most vulnerable has more of a say. So Fiona, you were talking about how the host often decides and we thought actually that the normal power dynamics can't apply because the host might be young, fit, able with low risk, whereas you might have these elderly relatives who are actually facing much more serious consequences than someone who's young. And I guess all of that leads into then thinking very carefully, as well as what your own desires and needs are, what the reality is like for other people, and trying to navigate that in a way where the people who are uh, perhaps most affected have, I guess what I'm saying is that an equal say doesn't necessarily apply here. There may be sense as well in trying to find a place where you can retreat to. So where one is sort of almost living on top of each other if, if one's getting together for two or three days over Christmas and space can be tight. If you are in the middle of the maelstrom of emotion, it just, you get swept up into it. It may not be easy to do, but if you can find some way in some way where you can just step backwards, as it were, some space where you are on your own or you can have an opportunity just to unwind a bit, it, it, it might be helpful. And again, in preparing for what may be a difficult Christmas for some, where you go anticipating that there may be some problems. Just try and think through what you will do if it doesn't go very well. Where can you retreat to? What would be your escape valve rather than the lid blowing off so that you can just unwind a bit? I'm also conscious that, you know, one can take a decision in advance if you know the situation and the people who are likely to be there. Somewhere between accepting and change. You know, what, what could you actually accept with, with humour and mm. grace? you know, something that you can't change. There may be a, a funny old uncle who always gets drunk or, you know, whatever it is, but but just sort of accept that and say, okay, well, that's part of Christmas. Let's let's just have, enjoy the, the fact that they are who they are. And what are the things that actually really do need to be discussed about changing certain elements of Christmas that we've always accepted, but have never been very satisfactory and having a conversation around those. I mean, what great insights. There are so many there. If you had to leave our listeners with one tip, what would it be? I think that whether you're a person of faith or not, that the brand of Christmas is peace and joy. And that if in doubt, think about whether what you say and what you do is likely or unlikely to result in peace and joy. Um, 
I think my tip would be to continue to remember that people are amazing. Now, when you hear that, and you will think of someone who is not amazing, that, that person jumps into your mind. Try and shift your thinking. That person actually is amazing. Try and find one thing about that person this Christmas that you come back from Christmas with, and you said, that was amazing. I think, I suppose I would wonder if I could prepare myself in such a way that I could leave a really good footprint for the people I've been amongst. And I'm gonna throw one in that Stephen said that I loved, which is that sense of what can I do that's gonna help keep me able to do that, whether it's escaping for a bit, that element of self-care, which I think is, we've had a lot more conversations as a society, as a society generally because of the pandemic, but not to forget, um, to look after your needs where you can in a way that actually will help you look after other people as well. Well, thank you, Sharon, Fiona, Stephen. That's been absolutely fascinating. Listeners, do let us know how your conversations go if you wish to, obviously no obligation, but we will be back with more content soon. Otherwise have an absolutely, well, I was going to say an absolutely exceptional Christmas. It definitely will be exceptional, but we hope that you manage to write a story that you are comfortable and happy with this Christmas. This has been Unlocking Conflict. Please do share with anyone you know who could find this podcast helpful. And we'd love to hear from you. You can email unlockingconflict at crux.org.uk with ideas for episodes, questions and feedback. If you want to know more about the techniques that we've referred to in this episode, then check out episode two on nonviolent communication. So you might find that you repeat arguments at Christmas, which would be episode seven, or you're wondering how to open up a conversation about a topic you've never broached before. Episode six is great for that. So thanks very much for listening and we hope you have really great Christmases.